God is good. Whew. So the message this morning, um, I think I mentioned it last week or two weeks ago. Uh, my message was going to be Radical Death, Radical Life. And uh, kind of an odd title, but uh, I felt like that's what the Lord said. And so two days ago, I started another new book. I'm, I'm now on six new books that I'm reading. And uh, this new book, I got to chapter two last night, and, and this is what it said. The starting point of your radical life is your radical death. Death to yourself and death to your every attempt to do enough before God. Everything you have done in receiving Christ is all he asks of you. It's enough. When Jesus said it's finished, it's finished for you too. You can't work your way into heaven. Okay? So I just thought that was a nice uh, confirmation from the Lord to give me that the night before I was preaching this message. Uh, we're going to open this morning in the Gospel of John, and if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one and you can take it home, Bob over there has a handful of them. Just put your hand up. Uh, you can take that with you. That's yours to keep. In the Gospel of John, chapter 20, very traditional reading for Resurrection Sunday morning. Many of you will be familiar with the storyline. Jesus had been crucified three days before, died, taken down from the cross, and put in a tomb that no man had been buried in ever before. And they rolled a stone in front of it. And the governor allowed them to put a seal over the stone so that no one would come and steal the body. If that seal was broken, they'd know someone had smuggled off the body of Christ because he told them, I'm coming back. I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on, the, on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw 
and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Let's pray. That is our heart's desire today, O oh God. As we delve into the scripture, this incredible story, O oh God, this incredible fact, this incredible history of the resurrection of your son, Jesus, we also would see the Lord. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and open our minds and our hearts that we, like John, would see and believe. And in believing, see the risen Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what was he like as a resurrected man who just three days before had been beaten, scourged, and crucified? What would he be like? Consider this. He shed all his blood for us. He shed all his blood for us. So he had no blood when he rose. Now Leviticus 17.11 says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And Jesus did that. He poured out all of his blood, all of his life, to make an atonement for our sin, to make an atonement to reconcile us, each and every one of us, to God. He poured out all of his life substance. Have you accepted that grace of salvation for your life ever? Perhaps today, perhaps today, So it's a new life source that's in work in Jesus. It's not the life that's in the blood because he has no blood. He poured it all out so we could have life. Something else is a life force in him. Life by the Spirit. 
No blood, no pain, no sorrow, no tears, no fear. It's resurrection life. Don't you look forward to resurrection life? Hmm? Huh? I can't wait to hear the trumpet sound, to be raised from death to life, to start living by the Spirit. How about you? You looking forward to that? Well, it's a sad thing, really, because we're all in for a big disappointment. Oh, look at that. Look at the looks on the faces. I should take a picture of this. I'm not going to get heretical, all right? Don't panic. It's not that we won't be bodily resurrected. That will happen for sure, absolutely for sure, okay? I believe the disappointment will be the realization that we had waited till then to live resurrected lives when we could be living by the Spirit now. We're going to look back and say, oh, my God, why did I wait so long? Listen to what Paul says to the church at Rome in Romans 6, beginning in verse 5. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Okay? So is your old nature dead? Is it crucified with Christ? Yes? Yes? Yes, only a couple of you, huh? Boy. Have any of you actually hung on a cross? But you have been crucified with Christ. That is a reality. His death is made real in you through the redemptive process. What he did on the cross, he did for you. And through him, you are crucified in Christ. In heaven, from God's point of view, you have hung on the cross. But in real time, you've never had to do that because he did it for you. I am born again. I am a new man because of Christ. Are you? How many are born again in this room? Nice, nice. But you're not born again by the cross. I hear this all the time, and, and I say it sometimes, too. Someone asks me, hey, are you born again? And I answer, oh, yeah, I believe that Jesus died for my sin. Right? You ever said that? Right? 
we are not born again at the cross. The cross put the old me to death. But now I have been raised with him already. Now, through the power of the resurrection, I have been born again, even as Jesus was born again. Not through the action of a man or a woman, not through blood and flesh and bone. He was, and I am, born again by the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead has enlivened my body. Listen to how the Apostle Peter understands it in 1 Peter 1, 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen what John says in the great end time book of Revelation, Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have been resurrected with him, just like I was crucified with him. I haven't been in the tomb yet, but I have been raised already. Isn't that awesome? Huh? Isn't that awesome? You have not been in the grave yet, but you have been raised to eternal life already by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first resurrection, an end-time event inaugurated and begun as a direct result of the cross, which in itself was our end-time judgment, being transferred back in time onto Jesus so that we will not need to be judged at the end of time. Did you catch that? Okay. Should I say it again? Okay. The first resurrection, an end-time event inaugurated and begun as a direct result of the cross, which in itself was our end-time judgment. Listen, you will not be judged for your sin because Jesus already was. There was a judgment for sin that you were destined towards, that you were walking towards, that at the end of days you would be accountable to. Jesus drew that back through time and history and put it on his own shoulders, and he said to his Father, I stand judged for all of mankind. Judge them through me now. And when you accept that, you are no longer judged at the end of time. You were judged then. You experience an end time judgment upon your life. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That is so powerful. Listen, if you can grab this, if you can grab a hold of this, that this is in reference to the resurrection also, that in the now, in your real time now, you can live like an end time resurrected Christian. Powerful stuff. How do you think Philip was translated 500 miles by the Spirit from one city to another? How do you think that happened? He was living by the Spirit. He was living like an end-time resurrected Christian. Want to live that way? 
I do. Gee whiz. We'll not need to be judged at the end of time, and so also with the first resurrection, we receive in the now what was promised in the future. Next week, we're going to really examine in detail a message entitled Radical Storyline. We're going to look at the fulfillment of the end time in the week of Christ's passion, from the Last Supper to the resurrection. All of your end time scenario was fulfilled. You have been judged, you have been crucified, you have been raised in Christ. It's an amazing storyline, and few of us have a chance to really see it. But today, there is life to apprehend, and there's power to lay hold of because he is risen. This is so important, so critical to your witness of who Christ is and who you are in relation to his kingdom, the Apostle Paul insists that it's a sellout, lock, stock, and barrel, and worth it. Listen to what he says to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He sold out so that he could know Christ and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Think this way. We need to be end-time thinkers. We need to be futuristic in our apprehension of the moment of time that we have now, understanding that Christ has redeemed and reconciled all things to himself now. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Now why? Why would God want you to think that way? Paul answers that to the Romans in chapter 8, beginning in verse 8. Simply because of this, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. If you have never received the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, today I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the close of this message. So here's the full gospel of the kingdom. If you remember, those of you who were here several weeks ago, we talked about the gospel of salvation, which seems to be the prominent gospel message in the United States and the Western world. The gospel of salvation simply put says this, Christ died for me. That's it. Gospel of the kingdom says, now I die for Christ. So here's the gospel of the kingdom to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And you get it all. If you want it. If you want it. So we're going to pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you, as the promise of the Father, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, we invite you to come. And listen, if this is your heart's desire, if something is going on inside of you, if you're feeling emotional, if you're feeling something burning inside of you, a desire to know God, make this your own prayer. Just quietly inside your own self say, yes, Holy Spirit, come to me. If you have never known Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have never looked to the cross and realized the price that he paid so that you could be reconciled to God, so that you could have eternal life, so that you would not be judged for the sin of your life. If you've never known him as Savior, today is your day. Today you can say, yes, Jesus. I receive what you did for me on the cross. I accept the blood as a sacrifice for my life. I lay my life now before you. I come and I bow my knee before the cross, and I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. I surrender to you. If that's you this morning, I just want you to put your hand up just to acknowledge today I've received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today? Thank you. Will there be any others? Thank you. Someone else today? Thank you. Will there be another today? This is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. This is the day of salvation. The word of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The word of God is going out. It's the word of truth. It's the gospel of eternal life. Right now, by raising your hand, you're saying, God, judge me for my sin, and you'll never be judged again. You're saved from the consequence. Thank you, young man. I see your hand. Thank you. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Each one, oh God, who's raised their hand today. Now there's something more. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, young lady. There's something more. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If you have never received the Holy Spirit, if you have never experienced the infilling of God's Spirit in your life, if you have never known him in that personal way, if you have never lifted up your hands and say, Father, I desire that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus says this, if, if anyone who asks, the Father will give him the Holy Spirit. Simply asking, now that you've received Christ as your Savior, his desire is to give you the promise of the Father. The first taste of an inheritance of eternal life. He's going to draw back from the end of all time a piece of the kingdom of heaven and implant it in your heart, and it'll come as the person of the Holy Spirit who'll take up residence in you, and your life can never be the same. If that's something you desire today, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Just stand up right where you are. And we were going to just pray. We're going to lift our hands and pray. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. All of you who put your hand up for salvation, 
I'm going to ask you to stand up with these. Because when the Spirit of God comes, he's going to come to you. He's going to come to you this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Listen, don't be shy about standing up. This is not about your neighbor. It's not about the person sitting next to you. This is between you and God. This is a personal encounter with God. You can stand up. I saw you trying. I'm going to help you stand up. There you go. There you go. Look, it wasn't so hard, was it? And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come now. We just ask you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to begin to fill the hearts of those, O God, who are seeking you today. Lord, your word says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you call, I will answer. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, we're doing that today by standing, by lifting our hands. We're asking you to come, Holy Spirit. Just begin to fill these individuals who are standing, oh God. Just begin to pour your spirit into them, oh God. Begin to touch their hearts. May they experience your kingdom right here, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the pastors that are in this room, come up front. We're going to begin to minister. And if God is just touching your heart, if you feel something is going on inside of you, I want you to come up to one of these pastors. They're just going to pray with you individually, going to spend some time with you. If you've got questions going on, take the opportunity to have those answers. I want you to just start coming up right now. If you're standing, you need to come up and let one of these pastors pray for you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Listen, if you didn't stand but you want to come up and get some prayer, maybe you're not into making public proclamations, just come up out of your seat. Just find your way up here. Even as we dismiss, uh, you can make your way up. That's all right. Okay. Uh, If you want to stay and, and get your pictures taken, you guys ready to do that again? You can get on the back. I just ask you to kind of Keep the noise level low as, as we're up here ministering to these folks. I pray that the grace of Jesus Christ, the favor of the living God, would be on your lives this week. I pray that you would experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you would have an encounter, whether it's in your car, in your home, you know, at work, wherever, walking in the supermarket, going to pick up an item at the store that somehow, some way, you'd bump into Jesus this week and you'd know the Savior of your soul like you know your best friend. May his grace be with you. May his peace abide on you. In Jesus' name, you are dismissed.